0: Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR.
1: I love living in Calgary. I can't believe that citizen satisfaction survey showed some people who have lived here long aren't as happy. I love living in Calgary mainly because we can go through a very cold weekend and then a lovely Chinook blows through, literally blows through. I think it was around 2 or 3 in the morning. And we enjoy sunshine, nice temperatures. And then we're back to reality tomorrow. So... I do love living in Calgary for lots of reasons. I have shared with you before, you know, that in my family, three people have had cancer. Sadly, my mom, after 10 years, passed away. She had both breast cancer, ultimately it was lymphoma. Um, um, A sister, breast cancer, a brother, colon cancer. They are fortunately still with us. And they have, I would like to think, they've beaten cancer. They can be in that category called cancer survivors, where we know we have the walks, we have the runs. We're we're celebrating cancer survivors. But I think what we miss is really understanding what surviving cancer means. And I can share this story with you because my brother doesn't live in Calgary and he won't be hearing this. But he, after um, a number of months of treatment, had um, a great diagnosis where they thought they got it all. They're confident they've got it all. And I said to my one sister, wow, I'm surprised he didn't let us all know. Maybe he didn't put it out on. We had a special Facebook group. And my sister, who was a survivor, said, you got to understand that sometimes when you're a survivor, in the back of your head, you still think it could come back. And so some people, they don't know if they can truly celebrate that they've beaten cancer. I want to talk about the mindsets of those people who have gone through treatments and they've come through on the other end, just understanding exactly what's going through their head because there's been a really interesting report recently released and it is called Living with Cancer put out by the Canadian Partnership Against Cancer, wanting to look specifically at those people who have survived and, and what they've been going through, how life is for them. Charlotte Kessler is one of those survivors. She joins us today. Hello, Charlotte. Hi, Andwa. Can you tell me a little bit about your cancer story?
2: So my cancer story is I was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2013. Uh, underwent brain surgery, then followed by six weeks radiation and two years of chemotherapy. Uh, stopped active treatment in November of 2015. Uh, was completed, what was pre- di- or prescribed for me for treatment. Um, but w- continue to live with cancer. My cancer is not a type that uh, you get a cured or in remission or all's well, all's gone type of cancer. Um, So there is still pieces in there, um, but I am living well with cancer. Uh, My cancer remains stable, and it looks like it should remain stable for a number of years, but you never know.
1: You never know, and I'm glad you added that part. So the brain tumor then, as you say, they've done all they can, but there Mm -hmm. still is part of the tumor in your brain.
2: Correct. Uh, There's portions that were quite close to my motor strip. And uh, at the time when they did the surgery, they didn't think it was cancer, so they weren't as aggressive as they may have been um, if they'd known it was cancer at the time. So uh, in order to make sure that I had as much function on my left side as possible, they um, purposely left little pieces, and then the type of tumor I have also has what's called tentacles, essentially, that branch out uh, and are really tough to see from TV. to even been able to get
1: them uh, 100%. Charlotte, give me as much personal life as you can share. But are you married, children? uh, Where are you in your life right now? Uh,
2: Yes, I am a mother to a seven-year-old daughter and married to an incredible husband um, who has supported me through all of this. Uh, She was three, just turned three when I was diagnosed. Um, So she's been through the journey with us for sure.
1: I'm glad you say you're living with cancer. So you wouldn't be, when I say categories, uh, there are the survivors of cancer. Would you consider yourself a survivor or you're in the living because you still have it?
2: Uh, I consider myself living with cancer, uh, but
1: living well. Living well. What does that mean to you then when... Um, mentally i'm just i 'm wondering what 's going on. Was it a chance when you finished all the rounds of the radiation the chemotherapy, and they said okay we 've done as much as we can do was I feel like there wouldn 't be celebration because you still have part of the tumor there
2: exactly and that that was uh, definitely probably my hardest time was that end of the treatment um, i 've been essentially for about almost three years. Fighting, you know, fighting hard, you know, had crappy days, but there was a reason for it to, you know, it was through treatment. It was for the purpose of, you know, killing this thing as best we possibly could. So there was purpose for all of the things that I had to miss and the, the moments that I couldn't be a part of or couldn't partake in. Um, and then all of a sudden I was done. But like you said, there's no real, you know, celebration that we're done chemo, but the cancer's still there, so it feels almost wrong to fully celebrate. Yeah. And all of a sudden now, um, I live each day, I still try and my best to be healthy and keep my good cells as strong as I can, but I'm not actively fighting the cancer, so there is um, some hard emotional and mental mm-hmm. aspects that way. And then as a result of the tumor and uh, the treatments, there is still definitely physical challenges as well um, to the fact that I haven't been able to return to work, um, uh, which was a huge part of my life um prior to diagnosis. My career was a was a definite defining piece of my personality.
1: Thanks for your honesty and I, I want to know though and I'll get more details on the whole living with cancer a report on the patient experience but you mm-hmm. are the patient and I, I've often heard from people we can complain about our healthcare care system but if you are diagnosed with something like cancer you watch how efficient the system is and you can agree or disagree. But what I, I'm wondering is, so you go through all the treatment, like diagnosis, treatment. What about the follow-up after that? As a patient, did you feel like, even just sharing your emotional psychological challenges, did you feel you were still being hurt even after that?
2: Uh, no, it took, it took a while, um, Part of it was a fact that my healthcare
1: team changed.
2: So all of a sudden I went from having what I considered good patient care. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a team that worked closely with me, cared about me. Uh, I felt we were on this journey together. All of a sudden I was kind of in a limbo where I was um, shuffled amongst different residents and different nurses. Um, so I wasn't really getting that connection. It was, okay, we've treated your disease. Yeah. These symptoms are normal. Kind of live with it. This is your new normal. Right. Um, and I I personally refused to accept that um, I fought this hard to get this extra life and for this to be what it was going to be. Um, so I kept pushing um, for I needed a consistent team. I wanted, you know, an oncologist that was my oncologist. Um, I wanted the team to be my team, and I wanted them to see me and work with me and help me get the help I needed. Even though I didn't really know what that looked like yet, right? And in their defense, I don't think they did either because it wasn't. That's not what they're trained for Mm -hmm. at this point in time. They're trained to treat the disease, Um, and I've been fortunate that I've had a couple of teams come along that have people on them that, whether it's on purpose or just in personality and their own way of being, have been able to treat me as a person. But I've I've also experienced a fair bit of, no, we're treating the disease, and that's what it is. Yeah.
1: Uh, I definitely have lots of questions for my next guest who is behind more of the, the the report. But when you were participating in this report, what did you want to make sure they knew? And and right away, I'm hearing that you wanted to have your own team again. Have you been successful in that? Or do you still feel like you're shuffled from one group to another?
2: No, I have been fortunate that, um, and I I strongly believe it's because I refuse to accept anything less. Um, I do now have a, a, an oncologist that I would sh- easily say um, cares for me and wants me to succeed and wants to help me succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think it's that the other ones didn't want to. I think it's just we as patients don't ask for it enough and maybe don't feel comfortable asking for it enough. I mean, when you see the report, over 50% that do ask for the help at post treatment, are told what I was told. You know, it, it's it's your normal. It's just accept it. So it's no wonder that one and three don't even bring it up. Yeah. Um,
1: well, and you pro- probably also think a bit of guilt, saying, "Wait a second, I know there's other people who are now just in that beginning process of treatments, and they're telling me I've kind of hit the end of the road as far as that goes. Maybe mm-hmm. I have to be." Uh, satisfied but you can understand um that you want all those other emotions and psychological feelings to be heard exactly and um
2: and so yeah I, i definitely think that the the patients need to take an active role and that doesn't necessarily mean you need to be pushy um or confrontational, um, but it's also important for us as a community and as a healthcare system to provide our healthcare workers with the supports and resources they need to be able to treat us patients as patients and, and support our whole selves.
1: And you know what, Charlotte, you're fortunate. You're saying you've had a very supportive husband. I think there's a lot of people out there who have gone through cancer that may not have a strong network of support and friends. So, I mean, that, that's a big thing as well. Charlotte, thanks for starting the conversation. You're welcome. and Thanks for taking the time to listen. You bet. Charlotte Kessler, she's a cancer, well, she says, living with cancer. Doesn't like to necessarily call herself a cancer survivor because, as you heard, the brain tumor, they've been able to manage it and shrink it, but it still has those... So what that can do to your psyche must be incredible. After the break, though, I want to talk to the other side of this because Mona Delisle, she's a director of patient experience at Cancer Control Alberta, the group behind Living with Cancer, the report on patient experience. Definitely want to hear from you as well, 403-974-8255. I think sometimes we are quick to celebrate cancer survivors and then we kind of forget about them want to hear your experience whether it's personal or related to family friends we'll open that conversation definitely after 3:30 i'll be talking with mona coming up next definitely want to open up the conversation after 3.30. Just talking more about cancer, maybe your experience, a friend's experience, after they have hit a point, whether it be um, a cancer survivor or to the point where they're able to live with cancer, how they have been, what's their experience been like? Mona Delisle is Director of Patient Experience at Cancer Control Alberta. She joins us today. Hello, Mona. Hello, thank you for having me. What is Cancer Control Alberta? Uh, Cancer Control
0: Alberta is just a program within Alberta Health Services uh, that exists of 17 cancer centers, big and small, all across Alberta where patients can receive Uh, cancer services, chemotherapy, radiation, uh, just all your things that you would think about when you think about cancer.
1: Now, when I think about cancer, I think about the treatments. But after talking to someone like Charlotte, I, I don't know if we talk enough about what happens after they've had their treatments, after they've reached a point where either it's been beaten or it's at a point where they can at least live with it. So does cancer control also focus on post-cancer?
0: I think cancer control is starting to. So when a patient finishes their treatment, they're typically followed up by either their oncologist for a period of time or transitioned to their family doctor or other care provider for their follow-up care. And it's in that period of time after the treatment where I think some patients may feel lost or dropped or uncertain about what's coming next. And. We're not always, I think, sensitive to that because this is our business and, and we're used to treating patients and having them, you know, go through this treatment. And then sometimes we high-five them and get them to ring the bell when they're done mm-hmm. and we celebrate with them. And then they're like, okay, now what? And this new report on from the Canadian Partnership Against Cancer and Charlotte's story are telling us that, you know, patients are living longer with this disease, they're surviving, which is fantastic, but it is having significant and long-term impacts on their life. And we're not preparing them for what is a new normal. What were some for things them.
1: that, Mona, what were some things that really stood out for you out of the report of living with cancer? Oh, uh, I know I there's a so. lot, but
0: there is a lot. I think the, the voices that the patients put to their story, I think are really important. Um, the fact that people lose their livelihood potentially, careers, uh, dreams, um, all of that piece that we don't think about, we think, you know, you're alive Mm -hmm. and that's fantastic. And they're like, but but actually what is that life like? And starting to talk about the quality of life for these patients and what is our, how can we better prepare them for what are the long-term side effects that they can expect? and how can we support them whether it's through um you know emotional social support systems to help them recreate i guess what it is that their new normal life looks like after cancer
1: and that's so true though long-term side effects i think sometimes people will think you're going to be on this particular drug as we Mm -hmm. watch this so you're going to have these side effects but i wonder if enough emphasis is placed on the emotional or psychological side effects and if enough attention is played on those paid on those rather
0: yeah and we're trying we're trying to do a better job of that at least identifying earlier which patients need that so we do have psychosocial resources in place we have social workers psychologists spiritual care uh, folks that can help us and we do have a lot of wonderful programs um, outside of the cancer control um, domain where we refer patients to so what really I guess our role needs to be is understanding how can we identify patients that are struggling and making sure that we are there to get them to the next place or transition them to where our area of expertise might be in treatment. But we need to get them to the next place where they can get the level of care that and support that they require. So we have a screening tool that we use. Because in the report, it also said some patients are not always comfortable speaking up. Or it's not always offered by their healthcare professional, and so we know patients um, sometimes feel when they're with their oncologist that it's, their time is precious, and not always do they bring up some of these issues. And so we're we're trying to use a tool that allows them to bring it up in a different way, so that we can have that conversation, that very person-centered conversation, and make sure that the patient's priorities and that their needs are also being addressed, not just the physical and medical needs for the treatment.
1: And there are so many different types of cancers and there's going to be so many different type of patients as far as how they respond to whether they do get a clean bill of health or not. So I can understand it's not going to be an easy fix. But I think even, even with Charlotte talking about she has a, a very supportive husband, I, I mentioned to her that there's a lot of people who don't have that network and suddenly when they lose their health care team, they must feel even more at a loss of who do I share this with now?
0: Mm-hmm. They do, and so it's hard. We, we have to ask the, we have to individualize the care for the patient, and so if we can at least ask the right questions, um, you know would you be interested in a support group for other people that are going through this? Uh, are you aware of the resources we have? And sometimes patients don't even want to think about that at, at certain points, so you can offer the information and the readiness changes as they go through the journey. So you might offer them something at one point and they're like, no, 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 no. I'm not interested in that Mm -hmm. right now. Um, But later when, you know, their priority or their focus shifts, then they might be ready. And so it's also about not just the resources we have, but where the patient is in their cancer journey and their readiness for wanting to participate or wanting help or needing help. And, and that is very individualized and has, the patient has to be, I think, the center of that and the driver
1: of that. Um, well, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, the, the Living with Cancer, the report on patient experience talked to over, was it 30,000 patients where they were trying to get that sense of where they have to make changes? hmm uh-huh. that's pretty impressive to be able to at least hear the voices of the survivors and say okay what have we got right and where do we have to go in the future
0: yeah and sometimes you'll hear a patient's story and you'll be like oh yeah but that that's your story Mm -hmm. right so sometimes we it's hard for us to hear those stories so to have this report with this many patients um telling us where what their experience is like is is really powerful and i i think that having the this come from the patients and them telling the healthcare system, not just cancer control, but the system um, where they where they need more support is is really helpful. I think primary care, like family doctors will find this useful because I think sometimes they struggle as well with supporting cancer patients and knowing their role. And Cancer Control Alberta is just implementing a transitions program where we're identifying and creating guidelines for transitioning patients that go back from a cancer center back to a primary care facility where that family doctor will take over the care of that patient. Well, that's, and, a, that's a
1: big step. Mona, I'm out yeah. of time, but thanks so much for okay. your time awesome thank you so much you bet Mona Delilah that's would be Mona Delilah Delisle rather that's what's throwing me off the way you spell Delisle director of patient experience at cancer control Alberta want to hear your story 403-974-8255 do you feel that you as a patient or even as a supporter of a patient if you were heard we'll share those stories after this for most of us crime is something we see on the news